right. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Billy D's podcast. I am absolutely thrilled that you are here. If you have never checked out the program before, we are essentially a commentary and an interview podcast. And today we are going to have a little commentary and then um, we'll have some audience participation. If anybody would like to come forward and say anything, that'd be great. What we are going to talk about today is the concept of certainty. And uh, this kind of got sparked. I I ran across a a philosophical, I I guess I would say, video. And uh, this person brought up some interesting concepts. And it's, it's, a, it's a subject that I have touched on before, not necessarily recently, but I have touched on it before. And it basically has to do with the concept of being certain, all right? And dare we consider even for a moment that we could be wrong. And for me anyway, the concept of certainty ties in very much to our own personal belief system. And I might touch on some areas that members of the audience feel uncomfortable with because I might touch on maybe principles or constructs that you have in your own belief system. And, uh, you know, that's something that I have probably struggled with over the years. I don't know about maybe struggled is the right word. But I have uh, over the years, starting at a very young age, started to question um, certain aspects of the world and the reality that's being presented to us. And I don't necessarily mean in, in some contrarian way, you know, like when the teacher tells you something, well, how do you know? Okay. That, that type of thing. No, uh, it, it just in, in, in more of a, a way of understanding your existence, I, I believe is, uh, pretty important. If you haven't, if you haven't done that introspection, And if you are a person of faith, I would go as far to say that if you haven't ever questioned your faith, I would question how strong it really is. Um, But that's my own personal experience with the people that I have dealt with over the years. And there's been very many, you know, I'm I'm not um, 21 years old anymore. I've dealt with a lot of people over the years in my family, friends, associates, coworkers, people that I've met out in the public. And I've seen some patterns that are pretty consistent. And with the research that I've done on this over the years, um, it lines up very much so with my own personal experience. So I'm going to I'm going to bring up some concepts here and um, hopefully it's it's food for thought. You know, it's something that uh, might give you a um, something to talk about over the dinner table or something like that. Uh, I'm not here to anger anybody or anything like that. Uh, so I, hopefully I don't do that. I certainly do not want to do that. The concept, concept of certainty is um, one that does not come in the natural world too often. It's one of the reasons why animals and human beings alike have instincts. It's one of the reasons why uh, animals are often skittish. It's one of the reasons why they are cautious. It's one of the reasons why they use their senses. It's one of the reasons why um, we have uh, emotions such as fear and uh, trepidation. Um, These are things that are are built in to how we function that um, are are uh, life-preserving mechanisms, all right? And um, 
you know, we, we have a tendency to become so sure of ourselves that we will override those feelings. And we do it quite often. Um, and this ties in when, when you start to consider certainty is, is essentially part of a belief system that we have inside of our own psyche. We have a tendency to believe what we want to be true. And for me, believing something is taking something as truth without conclusive evidence. And there's not necessarily anything wrong with that. I know a lot of times when people hear that, they think their their belief systems are, are going to be impugned. But that's not necessarily the case. Uh, otherwise, you wouldn't need faith. But we do have a tendency across the board, whether it's politically, uh, religious, spiritually, what have you, we have a tendency to believe what we want to be true. When was the last time you knew somebody who believed something without conclusive evidence that was unpleasant? <laughs> okay. Uh, generally, uh, those aren't the types of principles that uh, guide our everyday life. We believe things that we want to be true. And this is where the concept of certainty um, is something that um, ties into that because people believe, seeing, believe things so strongly that they are certain that they are true. And uh, what we might call uh, an absolute truth, for example, is very elusive. It's very hard to uh, come up with an absolute truth. They do exist, but they're very hard to define and they're very hard to come across in our daily life. For example, you may be on your way to work in the morning and you have a blue wooden kitchen table uh, inside your kitchen and you pass it by on your way out and you get out to the driveway and you say, hmm, I wonder if that blue table is really there or did I imagine it? Now, it's unlikely that you imagine that the table is there. Okay. But it's not so impossible that we can't consider it. It is possible. So with that being the case, you might go next door to your neighbor and say, hey, look, uh, I was wondering if you'd go into my kitchen and tell me what's in the center of the room. Now, you can't tell them, look for a blue table because that might implant the idea in their head. Okay. So you have to say, tell me what's in the room. And your neighbor might take a look. And he might wonder if you're if you're feeling okay, but he might go into the kitchen and um, uh, take a look around and come back in and tell you, well, there's a there's a blue table in the center of the room. Now, is it possible that both of you had the same delusion? Yes, technically it is possible. But at this point, it is becoming extremely unlikely. Okay, so we don't even question these types of things. It's not worth our time. But we're making these value judgments all the time in terms of what is true versus what is most likely. And we generally govern our day with a bunch of decisions that are the most likely. I mean, we can't question everything. And I would have to say that on a practical level, just about everything that we perceive, especially simple things like, is there a table in the room? Those things are, are almost always true, right? But when you get into more complex subjects, uh, this is where uh, things get a little bit more dicey. When you're talking about societal problems, when you're talking about uh, spiritual uh, situations, uh, these things are multi-layered, okay? And they have a lot of different facets to them. 
that have a lot of nuance. So you not only have your own perception that you may have to question, but you have other people's, other people's perception of what is going on that also may be part their interpretation of the facts and uh, maybe a little different than yours. So what is the definitive truth a lot of times in some of these situations? A lot of it depends on where you are at and where you observe them. And, uh, you know, our, our, like I said, our mental capacity um, as human beings is extremely flawed in, in own, because of our own biases in terms of what we want to believe and so on. These things are all, you know, things that impact us. And I, I still have to say that uh, we want certain things to be true, which is a major, major factor uh, in, in terms of uh, uh, what, we, what, what we choose to be certain about. And we often accept studies, facts, other people's perceptions that support our position and discard the, red, the rest. Um, you know, getting back to certainty, um, the laws of probability, if you've ever checked into these, some of these things, the laws of probability and outcomes have a certain number of variables, even the ones that upon a certain glance uh, seem like the conclusion would be obvious. Um, sometimes these things have a, a given number of variables and, um, uh, here again, I don't know that most people really like the concept of chance that life is a series of happenstance. Now, I don't know whether it is or not, but I can tell you that we generally like some order and structure in our lives and a greater purpose and, and all of these other things. And once we start to rely on those things. Once we start to rely on our abilities, once we start to rely on our experience too much, overconfidence can be a dangerous thing. Um, and one of the things that you can really do uh, as a performer, uh, when I used to do stand-up comedy, I was often told by the professionals, don't walk out on stage like you own the place. I mean, that is the absolute worst thing you can do. First of all, the audience will sense it and they will hate you for it. And the other thing is, is that sooner or later you are destined to crash. <laughs> okay, And no matter how successful you are, no matter how funny you believe you are, you're, you're, you are going to be in a situation sooner or later where you're going to have to adapt your material to the audience. And what you've done uh, that's tried and true will not work. So I think, you know, overconfidence is, is another area that we have to be very careful about, but it's not the one that scares me. And, and I'm going somewhere with this. Um, even though um, we want things to be true, we want certainty, and we want, um, you know, a certain amount of uh, predictability in our lives, a lot of times we don't have that. And I think one of the worst things that social media has done is that it has allowed us to pull together into groups where we support each other's version of reality. Um, you know, our experiences in, in a given ethnic group, our experiences in a certain socioeconomic group, our experiences in a certain regional group of the world. You know, these are all things that we want to feel are, are the absolute truth. And we don't necessarily want to adapt that into someone else's experience. If someone else is insisting that circumstances are different where, where they are at, we have a tendency to push back on that. Well, that, that just doesn't work that way. Well, are you sure? 
you know, uh, one of the things that is very difficult about introspection when it comes to this concept is the idea that challenging ourselves to be wrong a lot of times can challenge what we feel comfortable about, whether it be politically, our religious beliefs, um, all these other things. And that can often shake our perception of our own existence in some way. So to introspect yourself and ask yourself, is, is this always true? Is my experience always true? Is what I believe always true? It, it not only uh, it could potentially be a blow to our ego in terms of being wrong, but could, it could also warp our sense of where we are in a given reality. And people these days are not willing to do that. And, and this is where I'm going. Um, one of the real dangers about being certain, and this is the part that scares me about our society today. One of the things that really frightens me about certainty these days is it is very easy to become dogmatic. It is very easy to have an ideology that you now subscribe to that is your given absolute truth. Um, And when this happens politically, when you are so certain of yourself in terms of how people should live, how people should govern themselves, um, how people should act morally or ethically, when you have this vision, you have this concept that is part of a dogma, that is a part of an ideology that you don't feel should be challenged, it makes the next step, which is once you've had that reality shaken, once you've had your concept of what the world should be like threatened, the next step is violence. That's where we go next. So the chain is becoming certain. Then that moves to becoming uh, uh, dogmatic in some way. And once that, once that notion of reality that you have, that you have created for yourself and you've surrounded yourself with people socially and online and everything else that have reinforced your position, once that becomes threatened by someone, it is very easy to take the next step to violence. Um, and we've seen that play out um, in our society here very recently. And um, this is something that I'm not necessarily picking on any political group. But let's say, for example, the religious right on one side, the extreme religious right. I'm not talking about people who are casually have a faith. I'm not talking about people who may be motivated politically by their by their religious beliefs. Um, But I'm talking about people who are on the extreme right. Um, And also I would go as far as go to the extreme left, the social justice warriors. And here again, I'm not talking about people who are progressively inclined. Um, I'm not even really talking about people who feel motivated to go out and protest. But I'm talking about the extreme uh, people on, on the far, far left of the spectrum. Um, who through their social justice warriorship, let's say, have created an idealistic world that is unattainable in their view is absolutely what should be. Uh, all, both of these, uh, I, I'm using these extreme examples to point out they all have similarities in terms of how they act. 
And one of which is they both will talk down to you. When you start having a conversation with uh, these types of individuals, um, it very seldom is a conversation where you are going to share ideas. It more than likely turns into a case where they're going to hit you with a lot of whataboutisms, which I absolutely hate. Uh, what about this? What about that? Uh, those things are always an empty argument. They'll hit you with straw man arguments, which here again, do nothing but get you off of the subject and trying to defend some abstract ideal that you did not propose to begin with. And uh, the other thing that they will do, which is tied into this, is the virtue signaling. You know, they'll get on their horse about something and why they believe it and why they act upon it. Um, And here again, they very seldom will make you reconsider yourself. You know, I'm, I'm kind of, I don't even like to call myself right or left or conservative or liberal. Cause I, even if you say moderate, in my opinion, that puts me on the scale and I don't like to be on the scale. I take any subject that comes before me and I don't necessarily try to approach it from the right or the left, but I try to go around at 360 degrees. And some people will say after I've made my determination, well, you're a conservative. Oh, you're a liberal wacko. Okay. And that's because their uh, spectrum is loaded. It's filtered. Everything has to land on one side of the line or the other. And I find it odd all the talk about binary versus non-binary. When it comes to these individuals on the extreme right or left, everything is either black or white. It's either right or wrong. There's no nuance to anything. Um, And that's where, you know, this virtue signaling uh, really starts to become a problem because no matter what very objective, legitimate points you may have to say, well, have you considered X, Y, Z about this? They are going to tell you no. Uh, They won't acknowledge it. They won't answer you, you, you directly. They might even know that whatever point you have it's hard to answer, so they'll go right to, um, you know, the straw man arguments, the whataboutisms, or the, the another one of my favorites is, uh, you know, they'll play gotcha on terminology. Well, well, what exactly do you mean by that? That doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, words are fluid. The meaning of words are fluid. And you have to go down this whole road and get out the Encyclopedia Britannica and define every word in the sentence of the point you're making. And here again, your original construct, your original point gets lost. And this is, I I can't imagine in what world people believe that this is actually going to influence people. What happens when these two sides clash is they become more entrenched in their own ideology, okay? Okay. And this is where they claim moral and ethical high ground. Okay, they have the logical opinion. You are stupid. All right. Uh, You have uh, no morals. You have no moral compass. Okay, therefore, your opinion does not matter. And those are the basic arguments that you will get um, from the moral and ethical high ground of these two extreme groups. And it really worries me because, like I said, um, they won't acknowledge objective truths uh, that are counter to their own opinion. And this is where you'll have these two groups excusing, whether it be violent protests or uh, revolutionary actions of an oppressive uh, government, because they're, they're, they always have this thing, well, 
we are right. And if the truth is going to prevail, if we can't get our reality to be understood for the good of the world and for the good of the country, sometimes you have to take action. That's the logic. All right. And the next thing you know, uh, you have people excusing violent acts of one kind or another. And these things can escalate. They can go beyond, um, you know, uh, some sort of uh, uh, a protest uh, that, that, that turns violent, some sort of a political action that turns violent. And it can become violent towards individuals. Because these individuals are, let's say, uh, the enemy of our way of life. Or they are the enemy of God. Or they are the enemy of something else. And therefore, um, it becomes justified. It becomes part of a war. Uh, to do something to these individuals when in fact it's nothing other than murder. Um, but because of these people have created this reality and here all this all stems to being so certain that your opinion dare not be challenged. Um, these are the types of things that uh, I, uh, I'm very concerned about when it comes to our reality these days. We have a lot of people rock, walking around this world that are um, very uh, certain of themselves. And where does that lead us? Where does that lead us in terms of compromise? Where does that lead us in terms of finding a reality that we can all agree on? Uh, This is the type of thing that to me, um, uh, I don't know where we're going. Our commonality in in the common discourse of, of our discussions publicly uh, things are getting off the rails, and it's very uh, concerning to me. Uh, on the line, I have Ananda, who uh, whose opinion about this kind of thing I'm very intrigued about. Ananda, first of all, welcome to the program. I hope you're doing well today. Yes, I am. Can you hear me okay, Billy? I can hear you very well. Thank you. Okay, yes, I'm doing well this evening. Thank you so much for inviting me to speak, and thank you so much for holding this show. This is phenomenal. Um, this topic is absolutely phenomenal um, with how certain is certainty. This is actually crazy, crazy, crazy thing. I was thinking about this like maybe two days ago. All right. The, this was in, in, I would say like maybe one aspect of this topic was on my mind about, you know, life and a lot of the mainstream paradigms that so many of us subscribe to. And it was just, I had observed a situation where I, I felt, and I don't have the evidence, you were speaking of evidence, which I do not have the concrete evidence of this, but I felt that there was a situation where, you know, an individual or a a group of individuals were in some way, shape or form evaluating. I'll I'll actually use the term judging because it has more of a negative connotation and it was in a negative way. And it's one of those things to where like similar to what you had stated where, you know, we sometimes as human beings have the, have a specific concept of the way things should be, the way things should look, the way a process should be or whatever the case, you know, whatever the case might be. And when that is challenged, it just seems sometimes that there's this instinct to 
to judge, to attack, to condemn, let it be implicitly or explicitly. And when you were talking about, you know, it is, you had stated that the importance of, you know, your ideals or beliefs being challenged Mm -hmm. and that we, you know, and I believe you had, you know, used that numerical statement where you really want to analyze a situation on a 360 degree scale. You really want to look at all sides of it, not just from that like 180 degree perspective, right? Because there's so many different sides to, you know, every shape. And in, in really sitting down and thinking about this, I'm just, I'm just blown away by this topic because it really is provocative. It really does make us think, especially, and we've had this conversation about social audio and, you know, especially with social audio, um, social media as well, you know, it's so easy, I think, for factions to be formed when, you know, something is challenged, you know, you'll have that group that may come together. And it's just because these platforms are so powerful and they can be used in such a wonderful way to help everyone. I do feel as if it is important to, you know, see things through that 360 degree lens. Yes. I think that that is just it's actually critical, you know, to the world that we're living in today, because there are just so many different things going on, whether it be, and I love that you mentioned that, you know, I truly believe that that, that we're multidimensional beings. Yes, absolutely. And there is that spiritual aspect. And then that is that current reality. That is that, you know, that the reality that we're living in. And when the two collide, there are so many possibilities, which is why I, I do see that. I know for me, at least it resonates that we really need to, look into a matter before, you know, judging, you know, it really evaluation is so important. And I think evaluation is where, you know, you're looking through, you're you're really analyzing or studying a man, a matter through a 360 degree lens, you know, and it's not even, you know, from an education perspective, and I don't want to be too long winded on this, you know, I'm thinking, I'm thinking rubrics, but you know, it's like, let's put the rubrics down and especially if we're dealing with human beings, because we're multidimensional and we are operating in so many different scopes of life at once. Every second, I believe that we're operating in a in a series of dimensions. We mm-hmm. definitely have to be responsible and be aware of that. So thank you so much for holding this show. And thank you so much for inviting me to speak. I appreciate you and all the amazing work you're doing. Well, thank you, Ananda. You're, you're someone who... Uh not only do I respect your opinion, but you you have such great insights. Um, So your, your uh, analysis, your uh, comments are always absolutely welcome. I mean, you, wow. I mean, you're just an amazing uh, individual to listen to. Um, Also on the stage, I have Sonia and Sonia, first of all, welcome. I hope you're having an awesome day. Um, What would you like to uh, uh, talk about? I love the, you know, the, how is, how certain is certainty, right? Is your title. Yeah. And uh, we, you know, like we all have, you know, opinions that we, what you talk about the dogmatic part, right? Yeah. You know, it's really something that um, when you try to impose in many ways your opinion or your, the way you believe in the system where everybody 
is at a different space and different mm-hmm. awareness, right? Yeah. It's it's really tough to to like if that was in the leadership, in the command and everything, right? Then mm-hmm. it, it kind of forces everybody to want to, uh, or to conform, right? And uh, I'm not sure like in terms of like, uh, you know, we talk about certainties, people tend to follow um, the things that they think it's going to be certain. And, and if that one is communicated that way, then it, it is like a, something that you, re, you stuff people in the box, you know, kind yeah. of thing, right? Yeah, sure. It's, it's kind of dangerous, right? Absolutely it is. We have a tendency to stay with what we are familiar with. Um, it's a concept called familiarity. Um, it's one of the reasons why you may feel more comfortable in your car than when you are taking off in a 737. Um, the rumbling of the jet, the vibrations, the noise. Uh, we've all been in a jet that's taking off. We have a tendency to look around uh, to see the reactions of other people, see the actions of the uh, uh, of the flight staff to make sure that what we're feeling is normal. Okay. Because we don't have a sense of that because we're not in that situation very often. Um, but in fact, every, every statistic in the world will tell you that you're far more safe in that jumbo jet than you are in your car. But we feel more familiar, uh, with our car. We're in it all the time. We know where all the controls are. We know where the light switches are. We know where everything is and we have the sense of security. And this is something that um, um, in our daily life, when it comes to change that may be societal, when it comes to change in terms of things that we discover, let's say scientifically, that challenge our personal belief systems about what the world is. Uh, These are things that we often resist because we like what we are familiar with. And it's very hard sometimes. It's not just a matter of, like I said in the program, of, of feeling right or wrong. Uh, it's, I, I, I would imagine most people can accept to be wrong. You know, if, if, if you and I make a prediction who's going to win the football game, one of us is wrong. We can accept being wrong in that case. But accepting uh, to be wrong when it comes to a version of our reality that makes us feel comfortable, that's a whole nother situation. And that is where we now have people, uh, and I can point to blame at social media somewhat, but it's kind of what was there first? Uh, Did we have these tendencies and social media just brought them more obvious or uh, did social media create the problem? I can tell you that the concept of following people we like has been around before social media. And I, I would probably point my finger at the 24 hour news cycle Because when news became a source of revenue, when news became a source of advertising dollars and the 24-hour news cycle started, there's only so many things you can talk about in a given day. And if you're going to be objective about all of them, you can't have four or five different networks talking about the same talking points. How do you grab viewers? How do you keep them in? Um, One of the ways that you can do that is is, is present a version of reality present a version of the way things are in politics, present a version of things that are present in society that we know people want to hear. So we choose our target audience and we start catering to that. 
And as the 24-hour news cycle uh, reached a crescendo, I would say in the 1990s, this was when more and more of them were coming on board. You know, after the, uh, the turn of the century, uh, which is a term we don't, I'm not, you're still not used to using. Uh, there was 9-11 and then there was all the um, things with the various wars uh, that sprung up and you had people going into camps and to hold viewers, um, you know, especially when uh, there's a national crisis, viewers come to news and news organizations say, how can we keep these viewers through what you might call regular times, right? Um, and the way to do that is to cater to what we feel their perception of the world is. So we have uh, news you can use. That was a phrase that I heard a lot. And I always was very bothered by that term because to me, news you can use is news that you like. And um, there was a time when when news was supposed to be boring. It was supposed to it was supposed to be what you watched before you got to I Love Lucy. And uh, it, broadcast companies considered it a burden to have to provide a public service. So everybody sat through the news, whether they liked it or not. And the news that came across their 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 TV screens or what have you was was the news. It wasn't tailored to fit uh, their perception of the world. And that is gone now. Okay, we now have popular anchors, popular announcers who are popular because of their opinion in the way that they present the news. So now with the uh, the emergence of social media, we don't follow people that we don't agree with. We don't follow people uh, that we that we don't like. As a matter of fact, we block them. Right. We don't even want we don't even want we don't even want to take a chance that they're going to come across our feed, let alone listen to them for a moment. Right. And uh, these algorithms now are becoming more and more sophisticated. And even if you don't follow a given uh, set of, of individuals or a certain set of news organizations, you're uh, what you act with, what you stay on, what you engage with brings you more similar material. So. Uh, you know, your your social circles more than likely are going to be surrounded with people that you agree with. Um, certainly, if you are active in the community, it's going to be with people that you agree with. And on, when you come home and, and, and flip open Facebook or some other thing, um, you are fed people that you agree with. And what these people do is they enforce what you already believe to be true. And this is a dangerous concept because it, it kind of uh, is the CEO or the king phenomenon. And that is the king is so powerful that he surrounds himself with a bunch of yes people, right? Yes, your majesty. Oh, yes, absolutely true, your majesty. The, 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 the king doesn't get any reinforcement um, or any, any, any challenging opinions that challenges what he wants, <laughs> So consequently, he may be wrong, but he is uh, enforced. He is upheld. Um, he is uh, encouraged to believe what is true. And this happens to CEOs a lot of times, too, in major companies. Um, they become so powerful and so feared that, that they are, their opinions are never challenged. And in the end, it does them a disservice, right? Because it creates a situation where wrong ideas are destined for failure. And we do this to ourselves on a, on a micro scale because we only surround ourselves with yes people. Okay. We, we don't, we don't want a lot of the, of, 
of, of opinions that are going to challenge us in our social life. That's not what we want, right? Uh, we want to just sit around and talk about the other side and how terrible they are. Um, Ananda, before I, 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 I start to wrap this up, um, I wanted to give you an opportunity for closing uh, comments. Do you, did you hear anything that either myself or Sonia said that um, uh, you would like to add on or, or possibly just bring up another point? Absolutely. Sonia, I love the fact that you mentioned we're all at different levels of awareness, of consciousness, you know, and I that completely resonates with me. We're all at different levels of awareness and consciousness. And the thing is, is that we've all had so many different experiences, which, you know, Billy, what you mentioned about you really you know, the context of news, the context of media, you, you know, you really, you, you have that understanding of these things. So it's one of those. And that's why, just like what you stated, you know, when people are, and it's not just people, whenever just human beings in general, when we're coming together and we're forming these groups, it is important to be open to the challenge. It isn't because you need, and you need to have people around you who may have had experiences and understand contexts that you have not had. But I think a lot of that is birth from, and oh boy, I better be careful with this statement, but it's just that I've, I'm finding with conversation uh, as time progresses, we're, we're really losing how to respectfully disagree with one another. Oh, absolutely. And, and I, and that's, that's something that there's a way to do that, you know, and that's something that I love, you know, teaching others, you know, with Socratic discussion, that ability to respectfully agree and to respectfully disagree. And I think that term disagree has such a negative connotation now. It's kind of like as soon as someone disagrees, they don't like you. Yes. And it, right. So yeah. and something that I would I just I'm going to close with is that's why it's so important for us to attack the conversation, not each other, attack the discussion, not each other attack the topic, not each other. Yeah. So yeah, thank you so much for holding this show. And this is just such an amazing topic. Thank you so much for inviting me. I appreciate it. Nanda, like I said, you're always welcome. And um, uh, I, I try to keep these uh, shows, you know, less than an hour and then we're, we're approaching one. So I, I'll say this, there's a lot to talk about in reg- regarding this topic. And you are somebody that I probably put at the top of the list. Uh, in terms of your philosophy, in terms of how you incorporate uh, your spirituality and, and certain other things uh, about your life into these topics. And this is something that maybe in the future we can revisit um, because uh, I, boy, I, I can't imagine you don't have some fantastic things to talk about. Uh, Sonia, uh, do you want to, uh, uh, did, did you want to respond to anything or did you have anything to say as, as, as we get near the end here? I love what you say about the CEO and the disillusionment in many ways, right? Yeah. And, uh, because if you don't have a challenging opinion, then the company is not going to grow either. Right. Because you're not innovating in many ways and you're not being challenged to do and go above what the level that you're at. Same thing with the king, right? Yep. Because he is, well, in the king's side, as he is the ultimate, right? Yeah. In terms of decision, whereas the CEO might have the board of directors that might disagree with him but if all of them you know kind of go with him then it it works kind of the same that way i think you know and like what ananda was saying about you know 
what is the fear of having somebody disagree with you? And if we are at that awareness, at that consciousness, where we can speak to each other in such a way that, you know, it's not going to be a limiting, but a growing kind of learning for us to go move on to our next growth, right? Mm-hmm. Level, right? So I just think that, you know, these are important discussions. Yeah, we go back to the old times. Now it becomes more of the popularity contest, which is not who we are in the, you know, the true form of who we are as human beings, right? Yeah. Very, very good points, Sonia. Uh, you're another person that's always welcome um, uh, to come forward. Uh, don't be shy anytime you see me on here. Uh, uh, I love having your perspectives. You know, one of the things about, uh, I'll wrap this up. I've talked about this before. One of the reasons that this is scary to me, and you know, you talked about what is the fear of being challenged. What, what we are dealing with now is perceptions of reality that have become so ingrained in people's psyche that they are becoming cults. And, uh, you know, like I said, trying to reason with someone who's so ingrained in a political ideology that they have they feel they have the moral or ethical high ground on you. Uh, This is the same as uh, trying to have a debate with someone who has been radically indoctrinated into some sort of a religious type thing. Um, These are concepts that play in exactly the same part of the brain, in exactly the same same part of the brain. And uh, it's more than just. Uh, somebody trying to tolerate someone who has a different opinion. Uh, a lot of times what happens with these dogmas is you feel so threatened that your way of life is being challenged and you feel that this person is your enemy. And it used to be that the threshold for this in our society, in my opinion, anyway, was very high. You, you could have a heated discussion about politics or whatever. I remember being a young boy, people arguing about what Ronald Reagan was doing and all these other things. Some of them, uh, on, uh, you know, where we're very lively discussions, uh, sometimes they got heated, but both uh, individuals were, you know, grounded in reality. Um, they both agreed that two plus two equals four. And we are in a situation now where not only opinions are subjective, but so are facts. Um, and that's where I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very concerned about the future. Um, in terms of where this is all going, how we're going to be able to sort this out. And, uh, you know, time will tell. So anyway, I want to thank Sonia for coming forward. I want to thank Ananda. Um, You guys always bring a perspective and a dimension to the conversation that is very welcome. I want to thank all the people who, who listened today. And you are important as well because the listeners are, are why we are here. And if you're listening to this on replay, these generally get a lot of replays. Thank you so much for listening today. You can find the Abilities podcast not only here. We do the All About Medias um, here on Fireside. You can find those here on Fireside. You can find the wider uh, podcast anywhere podcasts are found, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Good Pods is kind of like what Good Reads were for independent publishing, independent books. And they are doing that for podcasters and uh, a good app to visit is good pods and uh, you can find out what your friends are listening it's got kind of like a social aspect to it uh so you know yeah you can you can trade shows hey listen to this and hey listen to this because it might give you food for thought it might change your opinion about something uh god forbid right so anyway uh, you can find the billy d's podcast on all of those platforms you can find me on twitter real easy to find on twitter at billy d's 
And Billy D's or the Billy D's podcast is the only screen name that I use. So anytime you were searching me out on social media, it's either going to be Billy D's or the Billy D's podcast. So I don't have a lot of different versions of, uh, of my screen names. Thank you so much to all of you for listening uh, this evening. Have an enormously wonderful, fantabulous weekend. And I will talk to you again very soon. I'm Billy Dees and host of the self-titled podcast, The Billy Dees Podcast. We are primarily an interview and a commentary-based podcast featuring authors and creators talking about their craft, advocates for community issues, and myself and an array of co-hosts discussing current events. There's no partisan ranting and raving going on here, just great content. You can find The Billy Dees Podcast on your favorite platform and on Twitter at Billy Dees. Thank you, and I hope you listen in.